the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis. You're here listening to Isaiah 61. And uh, I'm going to continue my conversation about uh, uh, just just manhood and, and, and raising up boys. And I kind of, you know, left on the note of uh, of of uh, what is a man supposed to do. Uh, a man does what he's supposed to do, not what he wants to do. And uh, and so as I was, you know, looking at that, I remember when I first started saying that in my household, my wife, uh, she kind of took it the wrong way. <laughs> and I just I said, no, honey, you just have to understand that if if manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous, you know, and they're one and the same, then as as men, we really can't do what we want to do. We have to do what uh, we be, we have to we have to do what we want to we have to do not what we want to do. Let me just get that back out. I'm trying to read it at the same time I'm talking. And then uh, you know Jesus when he went into the garden, you know uh, in uh, chap- Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 36 and uh, on to about 46, Jesus in the garden with Gethsemane. He went there to pray, and he took Peter and James and John with him, and. Uh, you know, and the word says, then he began to be very sad and troubled. Jesus said to Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, my heart is so heavy with grief. I feel as if I am dying. Wait here and stay awake with me. Then Jesus went on a little further away from them. He fell to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, don't make me drink from this cup, but do what you want, not what I want. You know, and 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 to me is that here's a battle going on. We understand this battle that Jesus is having, and uh, and you know, and and he's really wrestling with the next phase of of his life and development. And and obviously, you know, we know what God wanted because that's what He did, wanted him to go to the cross and to die. And for whatever reason, uh, whether it was timing or just security, whatever it was, or the human side of him, uh, Jesus didn't want to die. You know, I mean, you know, none of us really want to die. None of us want our dreams to die. You know, some of us, you know, the, the, the scripture says greater love hath no man in this than to lay down his life for his friend. But, you know, a lot of times I see people uh, in relationships with people, especially in marriage, not willing to lay down their dreams, not willing to lay down their desires. And, you know, you may have this dream or always, oh, this is what I always want to do. But it's not quite fitting in with the with the marriage plan. It doesn't quite make for a healthy family or healthy relationship. But you won't lay that dream down. You know, you won't lay that desire down. And and yet you still try to do it. And next thing you know, it becomes a a point of contention in your relationship and in your marriage because 
you know, you're just not going to let it go. And uh, and so but the greater love is to be willing to lay down your life, not just your physical life, but your dreams and your aspirations for people. And as it goes. And, you know, one of the things that that I enjoy about being with uh, people uh, who are accustomed to the street life, you know, what I mean, or my wife would say that I love hanging around criminals is that they understand about laying down your life for a friend. And not just a physical life. No, that, you know, that, you know, yeah, I, I know times in my life I look back on it and I say, man, was I stupid that, you know, somebody, something happened to somebody and then I'm willing to go out there and defend them and rally up or try and defend a neighborhood I don't even own or fighting over a game that doesn't mean nothing or, you know, just just fighting a group of people just because they're from the wrong side of the wrong side of the boulevard. You know what I mean? You, you're over there. And you're with that group and I'm over here with this group. And if we ever see you over here, we're getting you. You know what I mean? Chasing you and everything like that. You look back on it, silly. It was ever there. But the principle, the principle, you know, was was there to to be willing to lay down your life, you know, for, for your friend. To be able to lay down your life for your your, your brother. Be willing to, to go out there and give that little bit extra for him to, to see his dreams come true. You know what I mean? To see everything happen. You know, I've, I've had some... Uh, friends of mine that have, have, have died early, you know, they've gone to, 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 to be with the Lord, you know, and, and then me and others have stepped in to still continue that role of father, you know, to their children, you know what I mean? And even when they're grown, just to check on them and, and I pray for them and, and, you know, to facilitate them and help them with their dream and support them in what they're doing, you know what I mean? Because, you know, their dad was my friend, you know what I mean? And because he was my friend, he was like a brother to me, then I'm going to make sure that that his children are well taken care of. You know what I mean? I have two children living with me now, you know, where me and their dad, we're, we're brothers. You know what I mean? We're, you know, I named my first son after him. Uh, we just, we're just, we're close like that. You know what I mean? And when he asked me would I, you know, take care of his children, I said, yeah, I got them. You know, I don't know those kids. You know what I mean? Nothing there, but it's my relationship with their father that makes me go and do that because as a, as, as I understand that one of my roles as a man is to be a protector and a provider. And, you know, if it means stepping in and doing that, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm selfish, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want, man, I'm trying to get rid of all my kids. So I'm not wanting to take on and, you know, and the responsibility of watching your kids or do something like that. But uh, it's, it's something that, that I do because I realize that my level of role and my commitment to that, but nevertheless, it's not what I want to do. You know, I have to ask God sometimes, God, what do you want me to do? In my heart and mind, I was telling my church the other day, I scored low in the mercy gift. I'm low in the mercy gift. I don't have much mercy, you know. And But as a pastor, if you're around me, you'll see me give out a lot of mercy. And uh, when I took the spiritual gift test uh, with Foursquare and they saw how low I scored in mercy, they said, something must be wrong. You need to take that again because we know your reputation, Pastor Joe. You help everybody. And took the test again and scored another two again. And they said, like, why is that? I said, oh, I always scored two. I said, I'm not a merciful person. You know what I mean? I said, but the Christ in me is a merciful person. That's the merciful person. You know, sometimes things come out of my mouth. That's not what I'm thinking. You know, a person asks me for help or do something like that. I'd be like, my mind, I'd be saying, you get what you deserve. But now my mouth comes, I'll help you. And I'd be like, where did that come from? And I'm like, oh my goodness, is that, uh, you know, <laughs> and and, I, and and it's just there, you know, because because you know, in my weakness, I you know, he is made strong, 
you know, God works through me and, and, and works in that way. And, and, and I, and I honor that. I don't, I, I do fight against it. I understand Jesus plight in the garden. I have many of those little plights in the garden when it comes out to giving out um, mercy and grace. You know, I'm a, I'm a destroy them all kind of guy. You know what I mean? And uh, to give out mercy and grace is just, you know, it, it, it's a struggle for me. You know what I mean? But here's Jesus. He said, he said, you know, just look, it's, it's, but, but it's what you want, not what I want. And we have to raise our boys to think like that because we don't naturally think like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it just gets so long and so, so cruel. And if we're going to be the kind of leaders that, that are in Proverbs 31, that are sensitive to the people that we lead to and understand their needs and desires, you know, we're going to be that king that, that, that and follow the, the ways of, of uh, Deuteronomy 17. And we need to understand that there are times that we have to really, really train them, teach them that it's not about what you, you can't do what you want to do. You do what you have to do. You know, kids tell me like, well, you know, I want to go to this event. I don't want to go to the track meet. I said, well, you're on the track team, aren't you? Well, yeah, but I'd rather go to this little fun thing. I said, no, you made a commitment to the team and that's what you're going to do. Well, ain't nobody else going. They're missing. I said, I don't care what everybody else does. This is what you have to do. You, You check your schedule. You look at your schedule. You saw the conflict. Uh, you had two months to resolve the conflict. Now you wait to two days before to want to resolve the conflict. I said it's not going like that. I said, I said, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna guard your obligations. I said rosters had to be turned in. You, the coach has to turn them in three days in advance. And you now you're gonna wait to two days to say you're not gonna go. I said, it's not, I said that's not what you do. And uh, you know, oh, of course, there's upsets. There's everything going like that. But, you know, the, the the bottom line is, is that, you know, you make a commitment, you give them time, you, you wait till the last minute, the world ain't going to move for you. You know, you just got to go. You miss your bus, you miss your plane, you know, you, you're out you out of the pocket. You know what I mean? They, 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 they can be late leaving, but you better not be late getting there because you're going to suffer the consequences of those actions. So uh, in, in, in raising my own boys, you know, I have four, four, now I picked up a fifth one, but Raising my own boys, you know, one of the first things that I want to teach them to have was a work ethic, you know, teach them to work. So as soon as they could walk, uh, they start working. You know, they start doing little things, picking up stuff, uh, taking their clothes downstairs to the basement. And uh, so it was just funny times in my house. You know, my, my wife just thought I was so, so cruel, so, so, so mean. Today she thanks me, you know, what I mean, because they don't mind working. You know, uh, other people thank me, you know, because they always call them, ask them to help do stuff, move stuff, do stuff. And they'll just do it. You know what I mean? Because it's just something that, you know, it's not a big, not a big wine thing. They've been doing it their whole life. You know, so you get to that point. But, but, you know, I'm trying to tell her that, you know, if a child learns 66 percent of all they know about life, picking up their mannerisms, habits, desires, wants and dislikes, then I said I wanted them to understand that they need to have a work ethic, you know, because you could be the smartest person in the world. And if you don't have a work ethic, you have a PhD, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get anything accomplished because you, you're not going to want to work and, and you have to persevere. And, you know, as a minority in this country, you better be willing to work. I said, because it ain't like it's going to be handed down to you. You can go to your uncle and work with your uncle's business or law firm. It ain't, it ain't there. You know I mean? At this point in time, you got to get out there and work. And so they they would work and do things and go along with me and work. We work in the yard. We work on a car, you know. We you know, and they honestly they really were in the way, 
And it took a lot of patience to deal with them because <laughs> their work caused more work. <laughs> but I wasn't looking at it from that standpoint. I was looking at it, what I wanted to instill in them and what to get them to understand it. And I always get them to honor, honor code. You know, we have we have a little sudden code and, and honor the code, you know, the, 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 the little code that goes along with everything that's there. And uh, and so and they enjoyed it and we had a good time. And, and then you get to the teenage years where, you know, you're going to suffer some natural rebellion and some things that go into point. And that's just, you know, you know, but boys are usually out of control from day one. And even when they hit that stage, they might do something else. But. You know, you but you really stay on top of them and keep them there and, and keep them civically minded and give them a list of, of, of responsibilities. And they know you, you trust them. Then they're, they're rewarded. You know, I didn't make them work all the time for nothing. You know, if they did work for me, they knew if they did work for me around the church, they got paid, uh, you know, but they still had to do some work around the church, you know, because that was just their least reasonable service. But, you know, because they were pastor's kids and they were around me all the time. It's easy to abuse that and always have them help me do some things, but I didn't want them to be mad at the church either, mad at me. So, you know, they they would they would get that little reward. You know, they still ask me, is there any work at the church I can do so I can earn some so I can earn some money? You know, I mean if if, if other people earn money there, then I would let them earn money there also. But you know, the key thing about it is is that you gotta put them in a position that when 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 God calls, they're really the answer. All of this I've said boils down to this one little point. When God calls, are they ready to answer? Had a discussion with my youngest, and uh, and I told him, I said, do you really expect me to believe that you're going to follow God, you know, when you can't even follow me? And, 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 and I said, and I'm here, I see you, and yet you choose not to do some of the things that I asked you to do, or you change them around and justify why you did or didn't do what you were supposed to do based upon some situation that's there. I said, now, if you're doing that with me, whom I can see you and we can talk to you, I said, how do you expect me that you're going to respect a God that you can't see and can't talk to? And he's just say, oh, well, he doesn't mind. You know, you, you know, I'm on. And, and, you know, sometimes I get a little bit of, uh, I get a little bit of, let's see where I say it. How do they usually describe me that, you know, I escaped from an anger management refuge, you know, because, you know, because, you know, I, I blow up, you know what I mean? And so, you know, the consequences of not listening to me, but yet you do it anyway. But yet here's God who's going to give you some grace. that's not going to be there. I say, I say, don't fool yourself. If you can't discipline yourself, you know, with people watching you, how you going to discipline yourself without watching? And I said, hey, you need to work on that. I said, it's not a bad thing. You're not a bad child kid or anything like that. It's just that. You know, you 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 wait to be told what to do or you wait till somebody corrects you. And I say, and when you get to a certain point in life, there's not going to be anybody around to tell you what to do. Wake you up when you oversleep, uh, remind you to wash the dishes, remind you to do your homework, remind, you know, I mean, you know, you, you have that benefit here at home and different things like that. And you use it by saying it comes a time where you have to remind yourself what needs to be done and do what needs to be done. I say, and you know what you have to do. You just need to go do it. Do not wait until someone has to threaten you or uh, with some kind of punishment or something like that. Just do what you have to do. And uh, and so I would say that they they've been pretty pretty good in in, uh, in doing that. You know, there's no secret. I mean, uh, rebellion knows no bounds. You know, one's uh, parenting skills 
should never, ever, ever be questioned by the output of uh, their children. Because <laughs> they have their own personalities, they have their own look, and they have their own desires and things that they have. And so, uh, once again, you're listening to Isaiah 61 Radio. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis. And we are going to continue our discussion on manhood with some practical tips after we come back from the break. Uh, so take care. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. So you want to take a break from your day and watch some funny videos online. There's nothing wrong with that, but it can be tough with all the riffraff, pop-ups, and questionable content on some video streaming sites. The solution, GodTube.com. This is a news story talking about the existence of atheist megachurches. Hey, what do you do there? Do you sing worship songs? Shout to the void, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to nothing. Safe for the whole family. Get your daily laugh from the comedy section at GodTube.com. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61. It's Pastor Joe Sutton. Isaiah 61 is the name of our program. I want to give a shout out to the uh, the Northwestern uh, grads today. You know, is they they the class of 2016 uh, graduates. Uh, you know, if you probably look on the program, you'll probably see another Joseph Sutton on the program, and that's my son graduating today from Northwestern. He gets to give a little uh, three minute speech while he's up there, and uh, you know, and uh, so. Hopefully uh, he did well. You know, I gave up my ticket to the out of town guests and <laughs> so that they can get they can uh, have a chance to see their grandson, nephew, you know, get there. And so uh, I'll catch them all as they walk out the door. So uh, good to have him out there as he hits the workaday world and uh, and as he completes his time in, in, in college. That's uh, three down and. Ooh, how many I got to go? Three to go. I had three down and three to go. So next year, it'll be St. John's, and two years after that, it'll be uh, Florida A and M, and who knows where the last one is going, uh, where he where he will end up at. But uh, it's been a nice road, a nice journey. And as my wife said, she asked me, "What are you, you going to do when all the kids are gone?" I said, "I'm going to go find me some more. I go find some more. There's a lot of kids out here. That don't, <laughs> there's a lot of kids out here who don't have a home." I have so many kids, man. I have so many cats that call me dad, I, you know, that I pull in and I mentor and, and I, I meet with. Uh, that is, is, is my, my kids used to get, they used to be so confused. They'd be like, is everybody our uncle? They'd be like, I said, everybody gets uncle destinations and everything like that. And I always tried to surround them with, uh, with, uh, with just positive role models. Not that everybody was perfect, but everybody was moving in that direction of, of doing, doing God's will, you know, and that's, that's the one thing that, that I've always, me and my wife have always prayed for our kids that they would just 
do the will of their real father. I always tell them that I'm 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 like Joseph. I'm I'm just caretaking. I'm babysitting. I said I'm turning you over to him at eighteen. I said I'm I'm nannying. You know what I mean? I, you know I said that's your father. You know I say he has the plan for you, and I and I just do what he tells me to do. You know and and you know the the, the thing about it is is that in, in my community when I say my community once again if you're a new listener to me. You know, though I am of uh, African-American, Cherokee, British, French, Spanish descent, you know, (laughs) I have all that in my in my in my in my blood. You know, uh, I'm urban. You know, I'm an urbanite. And and, and in the urban context, when you look at the urban context, urban context, you may you may be a certain ethnic group, but urban is a group all its own. And in urban context, you know, we suffer from a lack of male leadership. You know, uh, most homes are single parent homes and most of those homes are uh, headed by the moms that are in there. Uh, When you go to school, you know, the majority of teachers in the school are female. If you get caught up even in a medical system, female court system, female. And so, you know, there's, there's this lack of uh, the, the the role models there, and you usually, as my wife would say, she'd be saying, like, I, I finally figured out where to find all the men at, you know, instead of football game or football practice, because that's where they all that lined up along the sideline, you know, cheering and hollering. Not even so much as basketball as much as football. But you, your coaches is, is probably the only place in, in that urban context where you can still get that, that, that male leadership, you know what I mean, there, other than besides uh, your neighborhood street gang, you know what I mean? And so so here's here you are a male, you're growing up in an urban context and you're just you you're surrounded. You had this lack of male so when you look at wh- who am I supposed to be, and especially in our churches, our churches are seventy five percent female and you know, and then half the time half the ministers stay in the back and they don't they come out after praise and worship. So it's like a lot of times, you know, uh, I, I would call it the church boy spirit. Sometimes church males tend to be acting feminine, you know what I mean? And uh, not, not, you know, and it's just, it's you know, you say, because you don't know, because you see women leaders, and if you're trying to model your life after a leader, then the only leader you see, you know, well, because they're, they're female, they're going to have a little bit of, you know, uh, they're going to be effeminate, you know what I mean? And it gets to that point. And so you don't really have, you know, that that male relationship. I grew up in a single parent home, but, you know, I had a lot of uncles and, and uh, cousins who came around and, uh, and and just made sure that, you know, that I had male influence, that I understood this is how a man does it. You know, I remember being sat down and taught how to shine shoes. You know what I mean? You got to learn how to shine your shoes. You know what I mean? I remember learning how to shine shoes, you know. Then I remember people taking me, telling me how to iron. You know, you got to iron. You got <laughs> You got to iron, you know, so I had to learn how to iron my pants and iron my shirt and everything like that and tie a tie. And, and, you know, just it's just certain things that get in there, you know, or, or even, you know, washing a car, cleaning, you know, doing stuff. You know, th- this is what we do. You know, this is how we do it. And so when you get into a, a context in the most urban situations where there's not many people there, especially in our churches, you just don't have the the, the, the men there. You know, they might be in the pulpit, but. You know, your Sunday school teaches everything, everything you get is from this thing. And so, you know, how do you teach you to be there? And especially if you're a young man, 
you know, like me who was was a warrior. I was, I was a warrior. You know, what I mean, I liked a war. You know, what I mean, but no one taught me how to fight uh, on my knees or fight in prayer or to, or to, to fight through my gift, spiritual giftings. You know, what I mean, I ended up going out there, you know, fighting with my with my fist in my hands and then letting it elevate to other things. And then I felt more rewarding there. You know, what I mean, matter of fact, I felt out of place. You know, uh, in the church. You know, is everybody? Everybody when they call nine one one, they want a warrior to show up. But nobody likes to deal with a warrior every day. And uh, and not every man is a warrior, you know, I mean, it's to that context. And so you need sometimes somebody to help guide you. you know, you know, how to treat how do you treat your mom? How do you treat your sisters? How do you how do you treat your wife? You know, how do you go in there? And so, you know, we have to get back to that. So, you know, as you, as you pray, you know, as you pray and you listen to it, and understand that uh, just help continue to give guidance and wisdom to those who God has called to go back out here and to elevate and to work with these young guys in the urban context and teach them what true manhood really is and try to bring him into that. You know, uh, I'm going to have a couple guys on my radio show next month and uh, until my launch in a, a ministry directed at, at uh, equipping our young men and, and working with them and walking them through the discipleship process of what God's version of a man is. And so uh, you stay tuned for that. I give you a warning. But as always, I love you. Love spending this time with you. Uh, this is Isaiah 61, KKMS 980. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.